and welcome back to the Bug in a Rug podcast. As always, my name's Caitlin. And as usual, I'm Whitney. And before we get started today, I just want to wish everybody safety. There's a lot going on in the world right now. And as Whitney previously stated, we don't have a lot of listeners. And so we can't afford to lose any. So stay safe out there. So <laughs> we got to keep our numbers where they're at. We can't afford to dip down. Yeah, can't dip down. We need you guys. <laughs> so everybody stay safe. I think we saw a couple people today that were more than safe. I hope they were being safe. I mean. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. This was the segue I was afraid of. <laughs> this is what I was really afraid would happen. And today we were walking a dog. And that is the only appropriate part of this story. You're walking a dog. So if you're under 18, earmuffs, please. Earmuffs, please. We'll tell you when you can unmuff. So right now, muff. We were walking a dog. And Caitlin was a few steps in front of me. And I thought we were turning to the right and going down a set of stairs to the walking trail below us. And all of a sudden, she swerved real hard to the left and kept going on the path we had been on. And I said, hey, I thought, what are we doing? And she just shook her head until I came very close to her. And she explained to me what was happening and said, go look for yourself. And so I walked back around and on these stairs, right in the middle, right in the open. It's right out in the open. There were a couple. There was a couple. There was a couple doing bedroom activities <laughs> on the stairs on the stairs <laughs> quite obviously quite quite obviously and i like it couldn't really have been anything else like pants around the ankles just in the middle of the wide open spaces where yeah. there are usually children running about yeah i was shook to my core. So I swerved as she, Caitlin had done, and we <laughs> moved on down the path a different direction. And I will never be the same. <laughs> I can't unsee it. I can't. That's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, like, good for them. They were not social distancing. They were not social distancing. No one had on a mask. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. I hope they were being safe in other ways, but there was no mask on either one's face. <laughs> Oh, man, oh, man. It was something. Yeah, I it think was something. that image is now burned in my head, and I think I would dare call it a cursed image. I feel... Oh, is this another... Se- is this a segue? <laughs> oh. Are you segueing? <laughs> Interesting. Please continue. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about some cursed objects. Okay, as long as we don't have to circle back around to our walking path no that was a cursed monstrosity. image that is now in my head that i can never get out of my head but i never really want to talk about it again <laughs> all right moving on moving on Cut, print check the gate moving, moving on, on. <laughs> um so when we think of curses often we think of them as someone saying something to you i curse you forever i curse your firstborn son to be the ugliest human being Don't that ever walked. Don't look at me when you're saying these things. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the Come inti- on. There's no intent behind it, so it's fine. So a curse can be defined as harm resulting from an appeal to a supernatural power. 
So this might be a god or a deity of some kind, or it could just, I think some people believe that curses are just, if you put enough power behind it and you're so sure of yourself and your words that that mm-hmm. itself can become a curse. Yeah, your intention is so forceful that it, it can transfer. Yeah, that it just affects the person that you are cursing upon. So this curse can be attributed to a prayer, an invocation, a charm, or an object. So there's mm-hmm. that movie, what, Drag Me to Hell, where whoever has the button, this specific button, like they have so long to give it to somebody else, or they get dragged to hell. Is that what that movie's about? Yes. And the the whole time she's trying to get rid of it, and she finally does, and she's like, yes, I'm free. And then her boyfriend's like, I found this button that you left behind somewhere, such and such. I thought it was yours, and gave it back to her, and then she got dragged to hell. There's also the one movie, circling back to the events of today that we're not supposed to talk about (laughs) anymore. There's a movie where, like, it's, like, called It Follows. Yeah. And you have to have intercourse with somebody in order for them to then catch the curse i think it's a metaphor for stds is it i don't know it should be (laughs) i don't know yeah but the monster follows you but if you sleep with somebody then the monster follows follows them them. but if they kill that person then it comes back to you wait really i'm pretty sure i've never seen it i've never are you just making stuff up Mm. no i'm pretty sure that's how it works that's crazy yeah yeah what if you have relations with multiple people? Then does it follow both of them? I think it goes in what order. So if you sleep with two people, the second person that you slept with, the most recent, is who they follow. And if they kill them, then they'll go to the first person. And then if they kill them, they'll come well, back to you. that's what I'm saying. If you just but I don't know because around if, enough. Because if that person sleeps with somebody, then it goes to that. Yeah. Yeah, then you're fine. You could derail the whole thing. Have you ever seen those like screenshots where the girl's on tinder and or a guy messages this girl on tinder and goes um if there is a snail that is following you you're both immortal Mm -hmm. and you'll live forever Mm -hmm. but if the snail touches you you die you die Mm -hmm. and then the girl like sends like a whole paragraph and it's like okay here's what i would do it, like, I would move to Hawaii, and if a snail moves at such and such a pace, it would take this many years to get across the Atlantic Ocean. So after this much time, I would move to Europe. So he either has to turn around or keep going the same way. So I have this much time because it's this much distance. And, like, did this whole paragraph of, like, the whole plan. And she's like, I would keep moving because the snail would have to keep turning around. But also, since I'm immortal, nobody would figure it out because I would keep moving towns. And the guy, like, blocked her on Tinder. (laughs) Do you think that's why the Collins and the Twilight books kept moving? Literally, they said that. That they kept moving because of the snail? No, because... (laughs) They said they kept moving because because a snail was following them and they were afraid it would touch them and they would die? You didn't pick that up in the book or the movie? No, I missed the whole snail thing completely. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, what would you do if you had the snail curse? I would do the same thing that that girl did. What would a snail versus a slug make a difference? Or could you just put the snail in a jar? (laughs) like a terrarium right what if you put it in a hamster ball because then it could come at you but it could never touch you true see we're thinking outside the box not much of a curse huh (laughs) what's more impressive her well thought out detailed plan with like 
speeds and distances and all kinds of calculations or us being resourceful I don't know. Hers like took that. a lot of math, and I think that's why we didn't go that route, because... We're not good at math. Everybody knows we're not great at math. I'm not a math... I used to be decent at math. Being, yeah, we went to math field day. That means else nothing. To go. That means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Anyway. Anyway. Curses can be found in almost all religious traditions across the globe. Across the globe. Across the globe. I thought you were going to say across the globe. Across the globe. <laughs> the, to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Liar! <laughs> um, but most of the time they have similar purposes. Purpose? Similar purposes? Purpose? Speaking's hard today, and I'm not through the first uh, paragraph no, I'm yet. I'm just shaking my head because, yeah, I mean, a curse would be the purpose is to bad things for the person you're cursing, right? Yeah, so this uh, resource that I got these from had a few different categories that they thought they would fall into. Harassment of enemies is one. Um, moral teaching is another, but moral teaching could be in a way um, of like hurting them because they did something wrong. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, that's a curse, right? He's cursed to... It's a moral teaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm absolutely <laughs> right. Um, other ones are enforcement of the law, assertion of doctrine, uh, orthodoxy, uh, assertion of community stability, and protection of sacred places or objects. So, like, anyone who enters here will be cursed forever. What would you with consider... With measles. I don't know. With measles. <laughs> it's the first thing that bought red. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No vaccine can protect you here. It's a cursed measles. I keep going to like they've cursed you with ugliness, but I feel like that's not a common theme. What do you? How, what category do you feel like the Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest treasure would fall into? Would it be protecting a treasure? Yeah. Or would it like a law thing? Because technically you're stealing. Yeah. So Aladdin. you're cursed to live forever to be dead. What, what about? If you touch anything but the lamp, yeah. you die. See, there you go. I can think of so many movie curses. Curses, yeah. So one in particular that I kept thinking of while doing this, and I have a quote from it, and I want you to guess the movie that it's from. Oh, boy. Okay, this is a quote. Every day, carry the pig up the mountain. Oh, my gosh. Make it drink the water from the stream while you sing. If only, if only the woodpecker sighs. The bark on the tree was just a little bit softer. While the wolf waits below, hungry and lonely, he cries to the moon, if only, if only. Every day, the pig will grow fatter, and you will grow stronger. Now, after you give the pig to the man, you must carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain and sing while I drink, so I can get strong, too. But if you forget to come back for Madame Zeroni, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. eternity. It's from Holes? Yes, it is. Thank you. And A plus to ten stars. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if only, if, if only, only the, the woodpecker sighs. <laughs> I think that that is one, that's a really powerful one to mm -hmm. me. Like, because. So I kept thinking, I kept thinking of movies where curses were. So like Beating the Beast, The Haunted Mansion, they're technically cursed. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. But this is the one that I was like, I could remember her specifically saying, you will be cursed for always and eternity. And it's mostly yeah. for them to have really bad luck, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. And they do. Right, and they do, and they do. Stanley Yelnitz. <laughs> His name is the same backwards and forwards. <laughs> we really need to watch that movie again. It was a good movie. Anyway, we're going to get started. I have three items 
that are supposedly cursed. Ooh. Ooh, wait. Time out. Yes. In my ha- in our household? No. You brought three items no. into our household. No, absolutely not. No, I'm just going to read about them. Cleanse. Cleanse. Get the sage out. No, so some. I'm going to talk about three items that are supposedly cursed. Now, there is no real background as to how they were cursed. So, but it's more of like the, like how we talked about before, like the intention behind them or the emotions that were put into them Mm -hmm. kind of turned into... Bad vibes. Bad vibes. They exude bad vibes. They exude bad vibes, exactly. They become physical manifestations of bad luck. I could be a poet about curses. Could you? I like it. I think we should start writing some of our own. <laughs> Poems about curses? Yeah. <laughs> Not right now. We'll They'll workshop put you it. in hearses. <laughs> oh. You'll need some nurses. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start now. I'm spitting these verses. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rap. I guess poem and rapping are very They're similar. the same thing. <laughs> okay. I'm lyrically gifted. <laughs> Just how that is your <laughs> art form that you are going to use to express yourself. The first curse object is a painting that William Bill Stoneham painted because that was his artistic ability to express himself. Wow, you were good at segues last week, and this week I'm here for it. Well, I'm kind of really workshopping what you say into segues <laughs> so we can drive back on track. <laughs> You're good at getting this back on the rails. All right. So the first object is called The Hands Resist Him, and it's a painting. That's what it's titled. So William Bill Stoneham, like I said, is the artist. He was born in Boston in 1947. So he never knew his biological parents, and he was adopted by a family in Chicago when he was just nine months old. So I think they immediately gave him up for adoption, and he was in a home for a while and then got adopted out mm-hmm. to this family. So he became an independent painter in California later in life, eventually signing a two-year contract with the Charles Fingarden Gallery in 1972. So under this contract, Bill needed to produce two artworks each month. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And he would get paid. I don't know size-wise, mm-hmm. like how big they were. Two but, by two. Yeah, like little Square. tiny. Inches. I think they were like a decent size. Well, producing two artworks a month can, I mean, especially when it's for a job, you, mm-hmm. it could take a lot of stress, a lot of toll on you because you're trying to think of new ideas. Yeah, it's like you're pushing your creativity and trying to put it on a time schedule. Right. It's just hard. Exactly. So he started struggling with creativity at one point, so he looked to his wife's poetry for inspiration, and his wife was named Rohan. And she had written a poem in 1971 describing the sad experience Bill had um, because never knowing his biological family. So the sad experience Mm -hmm. of him growing up without ever knowing um, who his parents were, who his family was. Mm -hmm. This is the poem. Okay. He is of the seen visions, his strokes reveal them, in a rush of color of madness of mystics. And his head is the highest center, it must confront its enemy, the hands resist him. Like the secret of his birth, his presence is the sanctum heartbeat, felt in darkness and in passion. It sound the sole gift to that silence. Mm. So he read this poem, which made him kind of reminisce 
about his, you know, childhood growing up under adoptive parents. So he began looking at old photographs of himself, and he decided that he wanted to recreate these or um, use some of the objects or some of the people from these photographs in his paintings. Sure. So that's kind of how he kick-started his creativity back up again. Okay. So one of these paintings is the Hands Resist Him paintings. And he got inspiration from an old photograph of himself, actually, when he was really little. Mm -hmm. So the Hands Resist Him painting is an oil-on-canvas artwork that measures 36 inches by 24 inches. So it's two by three feet. Yeah. Pretty big. Decent size. So it depicts a young boy in front of a paneled door with a life-size doll standing beside of him. So the little boy is probably, like, three, and so the doll is... Close to the same size as the boy because the sure. boy's young. So the boy is looking straight ahead, um, kind of with a sad look on his face is what most people describe it as. Mm-hmm. Pretty neutral. The doll is at an angle, kind of leaning up against the door, and is holding a dry cell in its hands, so some type of battery. The doll has no visible eyes and a frown, and several hands are pressed against the panel door from the inside. So the door that they're leaning up against, you can kind of see handprints. It's like black, but you can kind of see handprints like pressing against the glass. Hmm. So according to Bill, the boy is himself standing in front of, quote, the thin veil between waking and dreaming, unquote, which is represented by the panel door. Mm -hmm. So the hands on the door are the, quote, other lives or memories and echoes within a place. The doll is the, quote, companion or guide through the realm. Interesting. And this is him. This is Mm -hmm. how he is describing it. Yeah. So the painting was displayed in a gallery and was reviewed by a Los Angeles Times art critic. And then it was eventually purchased by an actor named John Marley. So a seemingly normal occurrence for a painting, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. what usually happens, except for the fact that the gallery owner and the critic from Los Angeles Times died within the year. Oh. And then John Marley later passed away in 1948, which was very close to the time that he had purchased the painting. And mm. the painting was presumably lost. He had left it in, like, storage Mm-hmm. And since he passed, nobody had gone through his things. Mm-hmm. Now, it could have switched hands before this mm-hmm. and then put in storage. Nobody's quite sure. But the next time it resurfaced was with Lucy in 2000. She regretted the decision almost immediately. So she claimed that her four-year-old daughter told her that the people in the paintings did not let her sleep at night because they would come alive and fight in her room. Oh, my gosh. So Lucy and her husband were obviously alarmed, but they want... To, to know if it was just the daughter kind of imagining things mm-hmm. or having nightmares or kind of sleepwalking. So they actually installed cameras in her room mm-hmm. to make sure, like, see what was going on. So these motion-activated cameras supposedly started picking up some things. They claim that on several occasions, the doll and young boy left the painting and entered the room itself. If they did not leave, the painting would morph into having the doll holding a gun instead of a dry cell and pointing it at the boy. So they listed it on eBay. And this is where this description came and the claims Mm -hmm. of all of this happened um, was on the eBay listing. Okay. 
So the ad described the various terrifying phenomenon that they were experiencing along with a warning to not bid on the painting if one was susceptible to, quote, stress-related disease, faint of heart, or unfamiliar with supernatural events. They also specifically say that they should not be held liable if anything should occur to the new owner. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) So is the background of the painting with John Marley and the, and that, is that, true or that's what they put in the ebay description no that part is true so the lucy part's the only part that is kind of iffy though right yes true oh my gosh um yeah they they died within a year and then john marley died a little bit later and then the lucy part her claims are from the ebay listing so this is from this is from her but Mm -hmm. thousands of individuals read this ad online and saw images of the painting because they obviously had to post pictures of the Mm -hmm. painting to sell it so many of the people ended up emailing lucy and reported feeling queasy faint dizzy irrationally terrified or being overcome with a sense of deep unease when they looked at the picture this isn't even the painting itself it's a picture picture. of the painting others even claimed strange occurrences in their home such as their children screaming at the image their printers malfunctioning, hearing dis- hearing disembodied voices, blacking out, or even having their mind controlled. Oh my! What? Yeah. <laughs> so from seeing a picture of the painting. Yes. Yes. Wild. So Kim Smith of Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids ended up with the winning bid. So she wanted the painting because it's an original painting by this guy. So it, I mean, it's probably worth a lot of money. Yeah, he went on to paint a series of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be a nice collection if you could get them all. So she said that she didn't experience anything unusual, but many who visited the gallery told her that they had. Now, Bill, in an interview, basically thinks that it's all a coincidence. So the two men dying within a year, he Mm -hmm. was just like, oh, that's probably just a coincidence. I don't Mm -hmm. believe in that stuff. And then he thinks that kind of rumor spread about the painting mm-hmm. and so people have heard about it i mean it became kind of famous yeah. on ebay so if you're hearing all these things about the painting and you're gonna see it it becomes like mass hysteria it, right it becomes like mass hysteria now it could be cursed i've looked at it several times did you feel anything i wouldn't purchase it to put in my home but i'm not gonna but did you feel gross when you looked at it no not really it's a creepy picture kind of but it's just kind of a weird picture. I don't. I, I wouldn't say I had a deep sense of unease. It's just kind of a weird picture. You're just like, okay. Right. So the painting is currently in storage. Kim Smith still has it, um, but she doesn't have it out because she was just getting bombarded with people being upset, people about, being it. upset about it. Does she um, have any of the other paintings or has anybody I don't, experienced anything with the other ones? No. None of the other paintings had reports of, like, People feeling dizzy or faint or stressed or uneasy. But there were one, two, three other paintings. So the first one was called The Hands Invent Him, and it was painted in 2017. So this depicts... What was that? Oh, my God, a bird hit our window. (laughs) Wait, did the bird hit the window or did Cooper? Because Cooper's right there. Oh, it could have been either one. I saw a bird fly away. Oh, my God, that scared me so bad. (laughs) I can't do these creepy podcasts. I know. Like, this is too intense. So, the first sequel is called The Hands Invent Him. And it depicts the inside of the panel door. And it is, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to be Bill when he's older. 
and there are a couple objects there's a tree growing through a building it kind of looks like an abandoned building and a bicycle um, and he the panel door is there but you're on the inside and so you can see the shadow of the boy and the doll on the oh, outside okay so it's like the other practice right so the uh, second painting um, in the series is called the threshold of revelation and it depicts an old man in some water but he looks like he's in um some sort of stone building with a trees growing along the top and there's a little girl off to the side and it looks like she's holding what looks like a doll's face to me okay and then the next one is called the resistance at the threshold and this one depicts the old man outside of the panel door, but the panel door has trees growing through it. It's not black, and you can see hands, like, coming out. And there is the doll is um, next to him, and its face is kind of off. Mm-hmm. And then there's bees off to the side. So this is some sort of series. Um, it's supposed to be the doll progressing into a real girl and the boy growing into an old man. Um, So that wasn't, like, what I read them in isn't the right order. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole series. It's weird that the one with the doll and the boy just standing there is the one people are most uneasy about when, like, you said the last one, the doll's face is coming off and the hands are coming out. There's It sounds very Jumanji-esque, but why? Well, to me, the first one with the the one that we're talking about the hands resist him painting there's almost like an air of mystery about it because Mm -hmm. it is so little compared to the other three there's just the boy just the doll and then the black panel door with the hands like that's Mm -hmm. all it is so i think what is it supposed to be what's behind the door yeah that that makes sense it's it's like you're so focused on in the other paintings, they're much more intricate, so yeah. there's a lot to look at. But with this one, you have to look at the door and mm-hmm. the handprints and be like, what is what that? What is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what do you think? Is this painting going to keep you up at night? Or are you still going to sleep snug as a bug in the rug? I mean, I'm kind of creeped out by it. And then the bird hit the window, or Cooper hit the window going after the bird. It, it kind of sealed the deal of yeah. me being like not comfortable with the situation yeah oh asterisk 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 we are not liable for any harm that may come to you after you look at this picture that i'm going to post on our social media of this painting gonna have to have a lot we need a lawyer yeah we're gonna need a lawyer but yeah i think that one's pretty creepy i don't uncomfortable and I don't know how I'm gonna do with the next one yeah the next one I really like the story I've had I've heard it before but the curse this curse it takes it up a notch a little bit oh yeah it's the opposite direction I want to go in (laughs) so the second object that we're going to talk about is called the busby stoop chair what bless you so oh yeah (laughs) thank you thank you So there's a local legend in North Yorkshire, United Kingdom, that tells the tale of a man named Thomas Busby. Busby was known to sit on a particular chair in the inn slash bar in town and drink a few too many beers. He was also known to steal from other patrons, but no one ever confronted him about the behavior because when people had in the past, 
he was just looking for a fight. He had a very mm-hmm. hot temper, and it almost seemed like he was taking, he was pickpocketing people so they would notice. So. So he's picking a fight. Yeah, he, so fights. he could start a fight. Pickpocketing to pick fight. Yeah, exactly. Thomas Busby eventually married a girl named Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was the daughter of a coin forger named Daniel Audie, which is illegal. <laughs> he's forging coins. <laughs> So Daniel lived on a farm he named Donati Hall, which was near the village of Kirby Whisk. He kept out of everyone's way due to his nefarious coining activities, but him and Thomas Busby eventually became pretty close because Busby was courting his daughter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Busby and Audie decided to become partners in crime in the coin foraging business. Unfortunately, their shady demeanors demeanors were not a match made in heaven because they disagreed on how each other's working style was playing out. Well, and Busby's picking fights anyway, And Busby's picking so. fights, yeah. He's, Audie's trying to, you know, live low, down low, so nobody Lower comes a-looking. <laughs> you, you don't, don't think, think that you have got a chance. Bum, bum, bum. Don't make a move. Are you going to sing the whole thing? The group. Do the Peter Pan of a dance. <laughs> so one day in the summer of 1702, Audie and Busby got into a heated argument. Speculation circulated that it could have been about the coin business or about Elizabeth. Everybody had seen them fight before, but this one seemed particularly bad. Later that evening, Busby entered his favorite pub, the inn slash bar, intending to sit on his favorite chair and drink his favorite beer. However, Audie had different plans. Daniel Audie had come ahead of Thomas and sat in the chair to wait for him. Oh my gosh. When Thomas Busby saw this sight, he went into a blinding rage and the men, like their fight from earlier, picked up again. But even worse. So fellow patrons eventually broke up the fight, but not before Daniel Audie had threatened to take Elizabeth away from Thomas Busby and basically send her somewhere that he would never see her again. So uh, everything kind of calmed down and Daniel Audie stormed out of the bar and Thomas Busby kind of stayed there for a little bit, but then stormed out. That night, Thomas Busby snuck into Denati Hall and murdered his father-in-law. Oh, beans. The local police were quick to link Thomas to the crime and they found him guilty as charged. They sent in Thomas to be gibbeted or hung from a gibbet his body dipped in tar and his remains displayed on a post by the pub so i think it's basically like hung but on a specific post near the inn mm. it's i like being tarred and feathered but he's just tarred. yeah yeah they made an example of him yes exactly so as a final request thomas supposedly asked to sit in his favorite chair for one last drink when he finished he stood up and stated, quote, death shall come swiftly to anyone that dares sit in my chair. Oh, no. And then he was killed and hung. And tarred. And tarred. And, and Not feathered. Up. Yeah, and hung up. So, death did come swiftly to those who sat in Thomas Busby's chair, unfortunately. I'm not that surprised, to be <laughs> honest with you. The first reported victim of this curse was a chimney sweep who sat in the chair for a drink in 1894. He was seen leaving the bar very intoxicated and found the next day hanging from the post next to the gibbet. 
Mm. Now, later in 1914, a man who entered the pub with the chimney sweep admitted to robbing and killing his friend, but (laughs) (laughs) it's much more fun if we think that Curtis did it. Sure. He didn't say how death would befall them. That's true. Hey, there you go. Just so it happened. So during World War II, RCAF airmen frequented the pub. It was just like one of the only inns that was near them at the time, mm-hmm. or wherever they were stationed. So they often bet each other to sit in the chair, and the tales say that men who did sit in the chair, took the bet, never returned from their missions. Aww. In 1968, two specific airmen were seen sitting in the chair one right after another. They had dared each other to do it, and then they died in a car accident later that night. A cleaning woman bumped into the chair one day while she was doing her work and was later diagnosed with a brain tumor and died shortly thereafter. Wow. Several cyclists and motorcyclists suffered fatal road accidents after taking a seat for a rest and then leaving. A local man died of a heart attack shortly after resting on the chair. And then a young man who came in with several other builders, they were building, working on a building in town. So this young man was coaxed into sitting in the chair and then later that day he fell through the roof they were building and he died. Holy cow. So after this specific death, Tony Earnshaw, who owned the inn at the time, put the chair in the cellar. He was like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. So he sent the chair down to the cellar. However, this did not stop the curse from claiming victims. A delivery man went into the cellar one day to drop off whatever he had and thought the chair was too nice not to be used. He wanted to see how comfortable it was, so he took a seat. He returned upstairs and told Earnshaw that it was a shame such a comfortable chair was left unused. Oh, no. He was later killed that day when his van went off the road. Mm. Earnshaw no longer wanted the chair in his possession because he this was taking a big toll on him. I'm sure. He donated the chair to the Thirsk Museum in 1978, where they hung it on a wall so it can no longer be sat in or touched by anyone. So what happened? So he didn't die, though, from touching it. Who? The guy who sold it. He probably didn't touch it. Right. So here are a couple problems with this story, even though I love it so much. How did they put it in the cellar? How did they bring it from the cellar to the museum Mm -hmm. without touching it? Unless they had, like, grabber things that they picked it up with. They could have, yeah. But also, some of these stories about the car accidents... I mean, they were at a bar. And then they were driving. And they were driving home. However, if they didn't sit in the chair, would they have been fine? He didn't say how that they would die. That's C, exactly. So this chair is still in that museum. You can see it to this day, but it's like eight feet off the ground. So, like, nobody can sit in it. Nobody can touch it at all. Um, It's kind of cool. I really like the story, though. (laughs) I don't know. I like that one a lot. So what do you think? Do you think this story is going to keep you up at night? Or do you still think you'll be able to sleep as night as fucking rug? I feel confident that that chair is far away from me and <laughs> yeah. high up on a wall. Yeah. I think it's wild that it took them that long to be like, maybe we should put this where no one can mm-hmm. touch it. Um, the Tony Earnshaw did not own the bar the whole time. Right. Because that, that the chair was there. Of years. Right. It, well, yes. But, so I think... New owners were very skeptical, and then he finally got fed up with it and 
was like, I'm no, I can't do this anymore. Would you sit in it? No. Would you touch it? No. <laughs> I don't think I would either. Actually, I don't know. I would want I to really bad. Really I really bad. want to to see if it works, but I don't want to. But I want to, but I don't want to. I want to see someone else in it. <laughs> and then follow them around all day. <laughs> and see what happens to them. Good idea, actually. We're going to start with a bird. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Smaller. <laughs> a worm. Oh, uh, a worm. <laughs> yeah, they have a short lifespan anyway. <laughs> a mouse? <laughs> I don't want anybody to die. I don't want any of I don't want blood on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> or all right. Here. So we have one final cursed object, which is called the Dybbuk box. Dybbuk? 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 <laughs> Not that. <laughs> so in September of 2001, Kevin Manis posted an ad on eBay for an item that he called the Dybbuk box. Can you spell it for me? D-Y-B-B-U-K. Dybbuk. No. Dybbuk? No. <laughs> Barbados. So a that's what it reminds me of actually the <laughs> name. So Dybbuk is a real thing. Oh, I'm sorry that I was making fun of the word. Yeah, it's a real thing. He didn't I, just make it up. I'm Fred. so sorry. I thought he was just making up a word. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> In Jewish mythology, a Dybbuk is considered a malicious spirit that was once a lost soul of a dead person. The spirit is often trapped in an object and will remain there until it is released. So it's often thought that something needs to happen or some specific person needs to come along in order to set their soul at rest and then they can depart from this um, item. Now, as the name suggests, Manus was dealing with a malicious spirit in a said box that he owned. He wasn't the one to release it, I'm betting. Nope, definitely not. So in Manus's eBay ad, he stated that he it was a small wine cabinet, and he got it from an estate sale for a woman who was originally from Poland, and she was like 108 and eventually died. Absolutely not. Absol- <laughs> absolutely not. It gets no, worse. Kevin. It gets worse. So the woman's granddaughter insisted that it had no sentimental value because the woman had hid it away for years and would never let anyone open it. Kevin made all the wrong moves. That granddaughter was dumb. Why? Because if she really thought that it didn't mean anything to her grandmother, there was nothing sentimental about it if her grandma kept it locked away and wouldn't let anyone touch it. Unless she meant to me it has no sentimental value. Because I was never able to interact Yeah, that's with basically it. what she said. Because she was like, my grandma hid it away. I never saw it. I don't even really know what it's for. So, I, like, I have no emotional ties to it. Take it. You know just what? Cabinet. Back up. She knew exactly what it was. Or that, and she just wanted to get she rid of it. She wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. Because she would have creaked it open to make sure there was no treasure inside yeah. of it. Or I mean, something. I'd want to take a peek and see if there's wine in it. Because if I'm that 108-year-old lady, I've got all my cash in there. <laughs> Two dollar bills. No way. Two dollar bills. All of it. I don't do banks. Goodness gracious. Because think about it. You don't know what she kept in there. True. Yeah. Could be all kinds of secrets. Could uh, be a dead body. Apparently, she kept a dibbuk in it. Dibbuk. Okay, listen. If you're gonna be literal about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin ended up taking it. He saw it as a unique piece of furniture. Because he actually had a refinishing shop where he would buy old pieces and turn them 
you know, kind of redo them and then yeah. resell them. Good for him. So a few days later, like after bringing the wine cabinet to his shop, Mm-mm. he put it in the basement. And a few days later, an employee called him while he was out running errands. And the, ploy- the employee stated that he swore someone was in the shop downstairs breaking things just like smashing things on the ground and he heard like someone yelling and he was like kevin you have to get back here as fast as possible and bring the police and bring the pol. yeah i don't know why i didn't call the police <laughs> so kevin rushed back no one ever does no one ever situations. does right exactly so kevin rushed back and he found the lights in the basement had broken and he could smell cat urine filling the entire store maybe there was a cat in the box there was just a cat. Yeah. It was trapped in there. I just thought of that as I was reading this. There was a cat in the box. Yeah. And what's her face didn't like the cat. Right. So she was just like, <gasps> Grandma's cat. Yeah, take Get rid of it. Take it. There's, I hate that thing. Oh, my God. So Kevin cleaned his shop up and started refinishing the box. I guess he really didn't think anything of it, even though, like, what the heck, man. Well, like, um, why would he think the box was the True, reason? true. Um, so he planned to give it to his mother as a gift uh, after he'd redone it. So clearly he had opened it. So, after giving it to his mother as, like, a gift, his mother had a stroke, and she was stable, I guess. She used a speak-and-spell board to repeatedly spell out the words, no gift, and hate gift. Wow, slap in the face to you, Kevin. (laughs) So, several others in Kevin's family took the box only to return it days later, including his sister, his brother and his girlfriend even took it for a couple of days because it was a nice cabinet. Mm-hmm. So even a couple, like an older couple, eventually purchased it because he couldn't. Nobody in his family wanted it. They eventually returned the box, leaving it on the shop's front porch with a note that said, "This i this box has a bad darkness within it." What was his family's reason for giving it back? Did they say? So, yes. But we'll get there. Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. So Kevin just kept the box. He took it to his apartment with him because nobody else took it. So he um, regretted the decision just like everybody else had and had similar experiences after talking to them about what... Because they all started having terrible nightmares. They saw shadow creatures in their home. Their fire alarms would go off for no reason. And the smell of cat urine would fill their homes even though like they didn't have cats. So they all experienced these things. And Kevin, I guess, didn't really believe them until he had the box. And yeah. then the same stuff happened to him. So he was like, oh, shit. He's really okay. like, you have cats. Right. <laughs> this is what prompted Kevin to list the box on eBay, which is where he recounted, like, all these stories. Mm-hmm. So he thought that his bad luck would leave if the box was gone because that's when it started. Right. So in June of 2003, a University of Missouri student named Losef Nitsky purchased it l-o-s-i-f-n-i-e-t-z-k-e losef nitsky so after purchasing the box uh losef sold it just eight months later after suffering uh insomnia and several illnesses like he just couldn't stay healthy couldn't sleep either and he couldn't sleep which is probably part of the issue so Jason Haxton was actually one of Nistec's roommates, and he offered to take the box off of Nistec's hands for two hundred and eighty dollars. 
So Jason Haxton claimed that he had similar paranormal experiences as the previous owners, along with experiencing welts, hives, and even choking when touching the box. He's allergic to cats. And there was a cat inside the box. Or at least a cat spirit. Maybe. Oh my gosh. Maybe you're right. I think we've cracked the case. Not time someone did. So, Jason wasn't as smart as us and didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. So, he enlisted the help of several scientists, paranormalists, cabalists, and Wiccans to help explain what type of force was possessing the box. So, they ultimately came to the conclusion that they thought that a spirit or a dibbuk was possessing the box and whatever it needed to move on hadn't either not happened yet or it hadn't met the right person yet. Okay. So it was still attached. Mm-hmm. So since Jason was not that person to help, he put it into a military-grade shockproof container and buried it somewhere on his property so no one would find it. Sounds like I got rid of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> The story got out because, like, it was, it's kind of like the painting. Like, it was on eBay, so a lot of people, you know. Lore has formed. Right. So, Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventurers, which, if you guys haven't watched it, he's the one that locks himself in the houses, and he's like, bring it on, ghosts, I'll kill you, or whatever. I don't think he threatens to kill him, but it's close. Um, He actually reached out to Jason and offered to take the box I'm assuming for some money. And Haxton agreed. So the Divic box actually resides in Zach Baggins Museum of Paranormal Objects in Las Vegas. And I think that it's not like out on display, but if you want to see it, you can. You just have to like sign a waiver basically saying like if anything bad happens or you get sick, it Zach Baggins can't be held accountable. So, you know when you do that? Do you know when you end up enforcing waivers? Mm. When shit gets real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris French of the Anomalistic Psychology Research Unit at Goldsmiths College had a little blurb in one of the articles that I was reading, and I found it very interesting. So he states that he doesn't necessarily believe in curses, And he thinks that individuals who believe that they have been cursed will be hyper aware of any misfortunes around them. And they will ultimately blame all of their misgivings on this said curse. Now, I sort of believe him, but at the same time, I'm not going to touch that chair. And I'm also not going to sign the waiver to look at this Dybbuk box. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm also not going to buy that painting and hang it in my house. No, absolutely not. I think, (laughs) so there's some truth to what he says in the form of, like, the whole mass hysteria thing. Like, if you are expecting something to happen... And you stub your toe, you're going to be like, oh my god, it's begun. The curse is upon us. Yeah, well, it's like a perfect scapegoat, but at the same time, you're going to get yourself worked up about it, Mm -hmm. and your brain's going to try and rationalize that. Yeah. But when everybody's having the same experience Mm -hmm. in a different setting, like with the Dybbuk box, 
like, how do you... You can't really explain it. Yeah, and that's what, like, I mean, I believe that curses are real and bad vibes are out there. I mean, for Pete's sakes, I wear this red and gold anklet on my ankles so I can deflect bad vibes that anybody sends my way, so you know I believe in that. I was think just thinking about that, because I do too. Uh, and thanks, Genesis. Yeah, Genesis's mom told us that you can wear red and gold to deflect bad energy that people send your way because they can send you such bad negative energy that bad things will start to happen to you. And yeah, Their intention is so ill-willed mm-hmm. that things will start to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And the idea is if the red or gold thing that you're wearing either breaks or like falls off mm-hmm. or whatever, then you know that someone has tried to do that and that item has protected you. Yes. Which I'm wondering, one of my beads, the gold's worn off of it. And same, I would, same, <gasps> be worn out to get us. No. <laughs> I was worried about that. I didn't want to bring it up, but now, like, I'm actually concerned. Yeah, same. We need to order new ones. I know, mm-hmm. because what happens, we only have three lives. <laughs> three gold beads on these red yes. anklets, and if all the gold wears off, does the red still protect us? Yeah, no? yeah. So I believe in curses. I do believe that people can, I think it can get out of hand because mm-hmm. people believe in it so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that you, people can curse somebody. Like, I, who am I to say you can't? I've never tried. I mean, that's like. There are parts of, like, voodoo and witchcraft. and Yeah. I mean, voodoo dolls themselves, like, that's a whole thing that we could get into at some point. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know how you can think that there's no such thing as that. Yeah. Like, to me, there there is no not believing in it, if that makes sense. Like, there has too much evidence of people using it over the years, and there's... Too many examples like these that you've talked about mm-hmm. that how can you not? It's just weird. It's just, it's either like a huge coincidence or they're cursed. Like, that's it. Princess and the Frog. Moral curse. Uh, yes. Yeah. Disney's all about it. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So do you think my cursed objects are going to keep you up at night or do you still think you'll be able to see those things by the road? Well, so, I don't know about, like, losing sleep over them necessarily, but I think it just reinforces my thinking that when we go to antique stores or and things, or when mom and dad go to estate sales, you be careful what you touch yeah, and what you bring buy. home. Yeah. You have, I mean, because you don't know the background of that mm-hmm. thing. You touch one object. I've seen, you know, Annabelle. Yeah. We've seen The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, maybe, I know that's a movie and it's Hollywood's That's also version, like, if a, if a doll is like, can I, I'm a little girl, can I possess this doll and hug you and be your friend? Say no. Say, it's a trap. It's absolutely a trap. Come on, people. It's a cat on its back with its belly in the air. <laughs> and you're reaching your hands towards it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think for one second that's going to end well. No, so I I think I will be just as cautious, if not more so, with what I touch and what I bring home, mm-hmm. as far as objects that I don't know the background of. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I think these are really interesting stories, and I would like to know how 
who has that painting if that lady still has that painting now like if mm-hmm. she plans on ever bringing it back out or like what she plans on doing with it yeah i'd be interested in looking like into those types of things yeah um losing sleep they're far enough away from me yeah that that we don't I, have to worry like, chairs about it. food up in the air i don't <laughs> have to worry about touching it the box is safe in a museum somewhere yeah, and i don't, don't plan on sa- signing a waiver and the paintings in storage right it's the other objects that we don't know, know for about. sure uh, that are cursed yeah. that are make me nervous. You never know, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of my story. I'll definitely post pictures of everything on our social media pages. So Facebook, which is just Bug and a Rug, Instagram, and Twitter, which are at BIA or podcast. Uh, you know, DM us, email us, let us know if you've been cursed or if you've ever cursed somebody and tell us how it turned out and tell us how you did it. I'm not saying that I want to know so I can use it, but I'm saying that I want to know. (laughs) In case we would ever need to use it. Because I need to use it. Tell us how to bless our space so we don't get bad vibes from this. Yeah, true. True. And so that I can bring more things home from antique stores. And tell us if you look at the painting and you feel faint, dizzy, or blackout, or you hear voices in your home. Let us know. Yeah, let us know if you feel uneasy looking at it because I'm really interested. Would you touch the chair? Let us know if you would touch the chair. I wouldn't touch it. I might touch the chair. I don't want to touch the chair, but, like, part of me thinks I would touch the chair. Right. You'd probably go and, like, sneeze and accidentally, like, slap it on accident and be like, oh, shit. It would be the first time I did something like that. <laughs> extremely, extremely 50-50 yeah, on whether on or not I would chair. touch the chair right now. Like, I... You would think I'd lean more turns not, but I'm getting right down the middle right now, if I'm being honest. Um, email us your suggestions um, at... BIA or podcast at gmail.com. I will be happy to do them. Um, also, if you want to look at any of my resources that I used, go to our website, um, bugandarug.podbean.com. Yeah, reach out. Let us know what you think. We like to hear from you. Um, again, stay safe out there, everybody. Mm-hmm. We need all the followers that we have. Yeah, I don't want anyone, you know, do what you got to do, but stay safe. Don't. Get arrested for public indecency. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Don't do dirty bedroom things or clean bedroom things. Don't do bedroom things on public stairs. Yeah, I was like, it's if you want to do it in public, that's fine. But like out in the open public, that is not fine. <laughs> I'm going to back up. I don't want to kink shame anybody. You do whatever you want. But there are children in that neighborhood yeah. who definitely go up and down those stairs. Yeah. They're taking, even, like, step off to the side of the stairs. They were taking up the whole. Nobody could get up and down past them. No, not at all. Anyway. <laughs> I I also want to point out that we did, we did try and call a non-emergency number. Yeah. It's not like we just let this happen and did nothing about it. Yeah. So please don't add us that we should have done something. We tried. We they sh- didn't answer. <laughs> we tried. And they, they didn't, didn't answer. answer. We tried multiple times. But anyway. All right, we'll see you guys. Uh, well, we'll nope. talk to you guys. We'll talk at you guys next week, I guess. We're not going to see any of them. Maybe mom and dad. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right, signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight.